Hi, and welcome to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin. Are you doing a Bitcoin DCA and have you automated it? How should we think about it in terms of lump sum versus regular accumulation? I chat with my friend Hass McCook, also known as Friar Hass. So we talk about all of these ideas, lump sum versus DCA, how important DCA is, growing the DCA army to hasten hyper-Bitcoinization, the statistics that we talk about when we talk about Bitcoin returns, such as CAGA, as well as DCA as contrasted with, say, the circular economy and agorism-only approach. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to set up your auto stacking plan. It's really fast setup and cheap to automate your stacking, especially for those of you in the US. So if you haven't already, go and set up there. They're Bitcoin only. Swan takes a focus on customer education and teaching the values of Bitcoin. Swan also offers Swan Private. So this is available internationally for high net worth individuals and also for businesses and corporates. So if you need some help with a one-on-one dedicated Bitcoin account expert, this is what Swan Private offers. You'll get one-on-one calls. So either for yourself, if you just want to set up a stacking plan, go to swanbitcoin.com slash Levera. Or if you want Swan Private, go to swanbitcoin.com slash private and Swan will help you out getting started setting up your stacking plan. Lend at HodlHodl is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform, so you can either collateralize and borrow against your Bitcoins and borrow stablecoins, or on the other hand, if you have stablecoins, you can lend them out and earn an average of 25% APR. So now with this option, you don't necessarily have to sell your Bitcoin to get some liquidity, you can borrow against it. And what I really like about HodlHodl is that they enable the vision of multi-signature. So there's no rehypothecation. You can see the action right there on the blockchain. You hold one key in the two of three multi-signature. It's non-custodial. So Lend at HodlHodl allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing directly between users. So on the platform, you set your terms, you put up offers depending on how long you want to borrow or lend and the interest rate. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Are you looking to get involved with Bitcoin mining? As you might be aware, there's a big downwards difficulty adjustment coming, which is going to make it much more profitable for people who are already set up with their Bitcoin miners. So if you want to get set up, Compass can help you buy your own ASIC and secure hosting at facilities all around the world. So for years we heard you could only do this if you're investing tons of money, but Compass are making it easy for everyone to tap into these economies of scale so you can access reasonably priced mining hardware and cheap industrial power rates rather than using the residential rates, which might not be competitive depending on where you are. So if you're unsure about how to get started, they've got hardware and hosting bundles. You don't need advanced technical knowledge. You can quickly get started. Go to compassmining.io and start mining Bitcoin today. On to the show with Hass. Hass, welcome back to the show. Oh, great to be back. Thanks for having me back on. And uh, look, sorry to sorry to see you leave Sydney. We're going to miss you a lot here. Uh, we appreciate all the great stuff uh, you've done here to, to help us uh, build, the, build the local community and obviously all your international work. Uh, we look forward to, to catching you once the world is free again in, uh, in real life. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. I Well, I appreciate the work you've been doing out there, uh, both on the mining front and on the DCA front. I know you're a big DCA man, arguably helped change the minds of a lot of people out there about why DCA is important. And I know there are other people out there who have different views, whether they think, oh, you should just lumps or maybe you should be a you know, you're overly compromising for the number go up and the privacy bros who think, no, we should just have a circular economy only. But maybe if you just want to start with, I guess, your thoughts, why did you come to this idea of DCA, dollar cost averaging? 
All right. So, uh, so first all, and I'm not saying this as a disclaimer. I'm just saying this is the reality. Like DCA is not financial advice. Probably make more money getting lucky, buying once, and like sitting on it. But this is not useful to Bitcoin. Uh, so when I say you know DCA, I consider it as more of like a tithe. It's voluntarily giving up a fixed percentage of your income. Uh, for the sake of good causes. And there is literally no cause on this earth more worthy than Bitcoin. Uh, so you alluded uh, like uh, to me being like interested in mining and like uh, people ask me like, you know, why don't you like do much mining stuff anymore and environmental stuff, even though I have made a recent resurgence. And the reason, the reason is like none of it matters. Like literally nothing in Bitcoin matters except DCA. Strong statement there. Yeah. So now people would come back to you there and most people would say well hang on what about developers who are let's say plugging holes in the system in terms of bugs that are found and you know there were vulnerabilities disclosed those are important to be patched up surely yeah and they will be so how do we encourage a developer to work on bitcoin if his money grows 30x in one year and then goes non-stop down for three while he has to self-fund whereas if we dca we set a permanent floor the guy gets one percent richer every week and development just goes on yeah so i guess the idea then is it's like making enough of a steady financial system around bitcoin is what you're saying creates the overall ecosystem in which the other things can thrive whether that be developers who are improving the protocol or helping ensure that they are reviewing the code in the protocol that there's no bugs there or that there is sufficient mining hash rate to keep the network secure and the idea that it's staying decentralized across different countries and across different mining pools and different mining operations and different mining hardware and the other broader parts of the ecosystem. So on the like the hardware element and whatnot. So like, let's say I personally wanted to invest $20 billion in a mega project, right? It's not actually that much money, $20 billion, right? So here was my plan for the 20 billion. Build a nuclear power plant, build an ASIC foundry and a big hard stand to just plug ASICs in and ignore the rest of the world. Just plug my nuclear power plant straight into the ASICs. Now, if Bitcoin was going up 1%, a fortnight every fortnight relentlessly forever i as an investor like uh, would be quite comfortable signing a 50-year lease uh, with a big mining company to take exclusivity on the nuclear power i generate uh, but because there's so much uncertainty in price and volatility it's terrifying for big investors so they don't invest so like uh, i know because bitcoin is so like illiquid we can't avoid like a boom and bust uh, cycle, uh, but it can very easily be levelized. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to talk about, uh, you know, how easy it is actually to levelize and like how optimistic and bullish, like this should make people like on the future of Bitcoin. Yeah. So, so people might be thinking, well, fine, that's one thing that there's, you know, everyone who's regularly stacking, but there might be those people who let's say they're sitting on a big hoard of old coins and they could just hit the market and sell a bunch of those coins all at once. Or they could say, oh, I've had it. I want to buy my mansion and my Lambo or whatever. I mean, we talk about low time preference, but there might be people out there who have a lot of coin and they don't necessarily share the same values. Would that just mean they're just sort of dumping on the new incoming DCA people? Uh, yes, but unlike the proof of stake legacy fiat system, you can only sell once. That's it. Done. And the DCA army comes back tomorrow with more money. So eventually these people are just noise. It's a long term, relentless, absolute transfer, you know, from from weak, frivolous hands 
to the tithers, the people that believe in Bitcoin as a cause. So like I have full respect for the circular economy bros and what they do, but Bitcoin is currently not useful for a circular economy. Uh, it will be extremely useful when it's like a million bucks a coin and like you don't need to exit, you know, into fiat. You can literally just stay in Bitcoin because it's stable. And like, uh, you know, supposedly there's a hundred million people that have Bitcoin. If everybody ponied up 10 bucks a day, it's a billion dollars a day. Each coin will be worth a million bucks in a few months relentless billion dollars a day crashing into the market. Just, you know, if Satoshi came back tomorrow and dumped his million coins, the price would drop to a grand for a day. And then the next day, there's just another billion dollars. And the next day, there's just another billion dollars. And just every day, like forever. And like, you know, a lot of people believe that, you know, Bitcoin has, you know, very high volume. You know, we, there's, the volume is like, you know, 100,000 BTC per day. The reality is it's more like, you know, one or 2,000 like whales and entities wash trading between each other, uh, robbing retail investors, like biding their time, like until the next halving. Yeah. So uh, some of the, I guess, on-chain analytics, it seems to point in that direction that because the veterans behavior is more predictable and they are accumulating and then towards the end of the cycle, typically that's when they sort of start saying, okay, maybe this is enough for this cycle. I might spend some and things like that and then have to wait another a few more years. I guess, although that's our understanding today in mid-2021, where perhaps in 2014 and 15, it wasn't so clear that Bitcoin was coming back. Yeah, it was not clear at all, actually, you know, especially like uh, there was no like robust community like of the maxis back then, like the big support groups to say, you know, sort of snap out of it. This is just pure raw, like a, a manipulative FUD, literally FUD propaganda, the stuff they teach you about in textbooks. And I think now that, you know, everyone kind of understands, like uh, I actually tell people like, you know, in a positive way that like uh, we are we are stuck with Bitcoin. Like, you know, you might not like it's the macho man randy savage uh, meme like you <laughs> might not like it like accept it like you're stuck with bitcoin like it's not going anywhere uh, even even we if we want to change it we can't like we're, we're just that's it bitcoin serves like serves its purpose and serves it extremely well and it is what it is and we're just gonna have to like accept it yeah right yeah and i mean for, for listeners as well I'm, I'm kind of asking the question just to be a bit uh provocative and, and just to play the foil right yeah um, yeah of but I am a, you know, myself personally, I'm a big fan of DCA. I think you should just be regularly accumulating. I think that's also a big mindset shift because I recall when I was getting in, in 2013 days, it, the feeling was more like, oh, people just do a one shot buy at the start and then that's it. Whereas I think now the understanding is much more improved and now it's more about actually, no, you need to be regularly accumulating and just every little bit, little bit keep accumulating. So, so the thing is, like, I suppose it's not like you need to be like it's you want to be. So what do I mean by that? So we a lot of like, you know, uh, influencers, maxis, plebs, like we're all here, you know, for the same reason to like to see Bitcoin come and, you know, fix this. Uh, we've been we've been given a total parallel solution for life. All we have to do is migrate, you know, towards it. You know, it's not practical for everyone to do it instantly, you know, like, uh, but, you know, what I've, I've been doing it for, you know, seven and a half years, ever since I've been in Bitcoin, I've mined fiat nine to five and migrate it to this parallel ecosystem. That's it. So I, I am fully sold on the vision we're building for the world here in Bitcoin. Uh, but revolutions are not one with nice words and smiles. They're one with money. Uh, so if you want to like win this revolution, like you have to like add tangible value to it. Uh, and there's there are several ways to do that. Auto DCA does not just mean buy Bitcoin. 
So it also means you can be mining Bitcoin and hodling, or it also means you could be earning Bitcoin and hodling that as well. So I guess those are some examples. So it's not literally just buying only on the platforms. You can be earning or mining, but I guess it's also important to, yeah. And various other things. You can stack other stackers. Right. And like there is, there is, there is uh, like, you know, the, the value of the, of, of the work people like you do is auto DCA. You've probably stacked more stackers <laughs> than anyone. Well, yeah, I think that's right. It's part of teaching people to come in because sometimes, you know, when you want to get someone to do something, you have to put it in terms of what's in their interest. And so for them, if you can show them, look, when you started in Bitcoin, if you had just done a simple DCA plan of however much, I mean, for example, sake, let's say $50 a week or whatever that person can afford to save into Bitcoin. And then you show them the result three or four years later, they're often blown away at how much they would have made. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and slow and steady uh, does win the race. Uh, so I, uh, I published a Medium post. It was uh, just before the crash from 6,000 to 3,000 in November 2018. And it was like a, a like a little religious piece, and I like spoke about the different religious characters, you know, like in the in the big Bitcoin ecosystem. And there was a, there was one crew uh, uh, called uh, the Sufferers, <laughs> and uh, and like at, at every at, at almost every point in a Bitcoiner's life, there is like a, a suffering phase. And there's like two, and there's like two ways you can come out of the suffering phase. Like you can either lose your, you know, lose your religion or just become more religious. That's it. It strengthens, it strengthens your resolve. Nothing like a tragedy to, to, you know, as they say, bring you or, or push you away from God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I said for the sufferers that are currently suffering, that have, you know, bought at 20 grand and now find yourself at, you know, six and like, God forbid, like lower. I said, I promise you, like you put in like 10 bucks a day and like, I promise you, you will be a whole coiner. Uh, and if you've done $10 a day since November 2018, you are a whole coiner. You have like 118 million sats, 10 bucks a day. So it's cost you, you know, it's cost you seven grand or whatever it is in your dailies and you're sitting on 35 grand. And that's like, you know, two and a half years. All right. It's not as good as plumbing like the absolute bottom one time in your life and getting 100x. But like who has ever complained about five times their money in two and a half, three years? Yeah. And so this also ties into some of the different statistics that we see, because when people talk about Bitcoin, they're looking at it often from an investment perspective. And in the investing world, they are talking about things like, okay, what was the return? What was the volatility? What was the sharp ratio? And a recent statistic that has, I guess, become prominent is this idea of CAGR, C-A-G-R, Compound Annual Growth Rate. And so people might have seen the likes of Michael Saylor come on an interview and talk about how it's growing at 200% per year for five years on average or 10 years on average. And I think Safetyne actually also has mentioned that and other people have spoken about it. And so now, you know, if we were to look at that number today, I think it's something like a five-year or a 10-year CAGR might be 110%-ish. Uh, but it, I guess it varies where in the cycle you start and finish. Generally speaking, if you've done it for at least four years, then you, you have a pretty good return. Um, but it seems like um, the I think you took some issue with that as well. So what was your issue with around CAGA and the way we talk about CAGA? So my my issue with uh, with CAGA is like uh, like people's usual issues with like statistics, uh, lies, damn lies and statistics. So <laughs> CAGA is factual. It's just not truthful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's the issue? Because no one was here 10 years ago and bought once only 10 years ago and has been sitting on it for 10 years to make 200%. Like, this is not truthful. Right. So what about even five years ago, though? All right, five years ago, then that number halves because most of Bitcoin's gains 
were made in its first two years of life. Like it's just a fact, like going from zero to a hundred dollars. Like that's literally infinity gains. Like it'll never be replicated. It's not fair to put it in an average. Right. I see. But you could say. But with that said, you know, like uh, over, over eight years with like a daily DCA, like you're looking at like 70% CAGR, which is like astronomical over, over seven years. Like that's fantastic. Incredible still. But if you like compare it as, you know, as the exponential works, like 200 is just incomprehensibly larger than 70. So if, so I've been in Bitcoin for seven and a half years. If I was getting 200 CAGR, I would be a billionaire by now. There, I am very, very far away from being a billionaire. So like, uh, uh, but with that said, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I have gotten around, uh, you know, 55, 60% CAGR uh, because I have been uh, like, uh, you know, DCAing uh, meticulously. And uh, like I said, like, uh, I would rather like uh, see Bitcoin become an impenetrable for- fortress. So imagine we, we activated these 100 million people to start doing $10 a day. And within two months, it was the floor was a million dollars. So the price could not fall below a million because basically you've got a billion dollars coming in every day, you know, only nine coins. And with enough time, if you've got a billion coming in every day, going into the hands of like uh, hodlers, you will literally run out of coins. There's just nothing left to sell. Like in long-term equilibrium, there is just nothing left to sell. Yeah. And so it's important, I guess, to understand that, you know, as we uh, made this point before, the coins exist already, right? So 18.8 million or something in that range already exists today of the total 21 million, right? And it's not that, you know, it, it really what we're talking about is the distribution of those coins out to the rest of the world. But what we ideally want, and this is to the point you're making, is that we want those coins in the hands of strong hand hodlers, those who are going to keep restricting the supply away from the liquid available supply of coins that is typically available on, say, the exchanges, the brokers and the the platforms, because that tends to just be the traders and the market makers kind of sloshing it around between themselves, whereas the hodlers are the ones who are actually restricting that supply away from the market and thus driving or at least raising the price floor, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, it is telegraphing. Yes, it might be like uh, signaling to scammers to get their exit. Yes, you know, you know, shit coins uh, might uh, might come along for the ride. Uh, but in the end, like you can only sell Bitcoin once. And like once it's in a strong hand, like that's it. This is this is how a floor is held. Uh, and like and like uh, uh, I can understand why people have like FOMO. So I remember, you know, like my first time, like uh, buying, uh, buying Bitcoin uh, because of like the constraints, like uh, put upon my start, like, you know, like uh, in terms of getting money to an exchange, I was watching Bitcoin go up, you know, 10% a day, 300, then 400, then 500. And like, I remember reading, like, I remember after reading the white paper, I'm like, you know, if anyone in the world like reads this, like they are going to buy Bitcoin. I need to get as much Bitcoin as I can, like as as fast as possible. And like, it's easy to it's easy to fool yourself into thinking like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, Bitcoin's going to get like this instant uh, influx. But if it does get an instant influx, nobody has priced in all Bitcoiners deciding to put in $10 a day. It would cause mayhem. Like uh, you saw what happened with uh, with AMC and GameStop and Doge. Uh, like all it requires is a is, you know, a large group of very stubborn people to just keep buying every day. Phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's right. And the thing is, people don't realize the numbers on this because, you know, we, we throw around these numbers of, you know, 100 or 200 million people in the world today who have some exposure to Bitcoin. But it's really a tiny, tiny fraction of that who are actually orange-pilled 
hardcore hodler and stacker types, right? Yeah, uh, but like I think like the tide will eventually like will eventually turn. So like uh, I know like the Bitcoiners try to escape from like uh, you know the the accusations of of being cultish uh, and whatnot. But but we're being attacked currently by the biggest cult in the universe, in like the like environmental cult. And uh, no, I think it's perfectly fine for us to be cultish. So I I always tell people I view Bitcoin for what it actually is, like the largest charitable movement in human history. Like it literally fixes everything. Like you know you care about the whales, like uh, or not the financial whales, the ones in the the mammals in the sea, you know, you donate to like Greenpeace or whatever. Uh, you know, you want to like, you know, save the kids, you, you, you donate to like the, the kids charity. But if you want to just save everything in one fell swoop, who do you donate to? Uh, you just donate to Bitcoin. It's one of the very few charities you can donate to. They don't take custody of donations, completely decentralized. And, uh, and you get wealthy for donating and you fix the world. Like it's an extremely beautiful thing. So like, uh, I like to say, I hate saying money's wasted on charity because good charity is never a waste. Uh, but the literature shows that at least 40% of like money donated to charity goes to overhead. So it's just wasted. So if, if you were to take the, the world yearly givings to charity and put it into Bitcoin, Bitcoin would be a million bucks a coin. Yeah, and I guess you've got to imagine what kind of social and cultural consequences would we have if Bitcoin were to become the global money. And okay, this might be 10, 20 years away, we don't know. But if we were able to transition the world over, then I think it really would fix a lot of things around the world. And that's hence the saying, Bitcoin fixes this, right? Which many of us have been saying for years, but I think people who are not into this world, like say you and I are, or my listeners, they might be skeptical of that idea. And I, I, obviously it takes time. You have to go and learn. You have to go and really understand some of the economics around this and what the consequences of these um, actions are and uh, the, the world under a fiat you know, world. And so I guess people would say, look, this is a controversial statement, Hass. You're saying actually get rid of, you know, don't, don't worry about all these other charities. Just keep buying Bitcoin and add to your DCA plan. Uh, that is actually exactly what I'm saying, uh, because the market will allocate charity efficiently. So you have a look at how good world charity is going to be once Bitcoiners are properly rich, for example. So like, so the main priority, like I know it's uh, like, I know it's, it's hard and I sound very heartless, but the kids have already been starving for 50 years. And if we keep doing what we're doing, they're going to starve for another 50. So you just got to I'm sorry, like they just need to starve for five more years. You focus on Bitcoin and Bitcoin only. And I promise you after five years, they won't starve anymore. Like that's all I'm trying to say is like we're, we're, we're giving money and we're still not fixing problems and problems are only getting worse. Uh, the problem is structural. We're, we're doing symptomatic treatment unless the fiat system goes. Uh, no charity can ever be, you know, 100% effective. Yeah, though, perhaps some of that is... Maybe like it takes, you know, some marketing budget to for these charities to get some money and maybe charity and I guess even this other point is maybe charity is not the best way to fix the problems overall. It's actually to have businesses that Correct. can, you know, cost, uh, uh, get the cost down to provide food and so on. And if we can provide these businesses a circular economy with a stable price, like the transition is ready to happen tomorrow, but just the price is too low and not stable. So like nobody has priced in the activation of all Bitcoin is saying, you know what, that's it. We're actually, we're going to make Bitcoin happen tomorrow and we're just going to start doing 10 bucks a day. I don't think anybody has priced that in. Yeah. And I think you're right that the point that I've seen you make correctly, which is that it's not that many people who need to 
get on board with this? Like as a fraction of the globe, right? If we've got 7.9 billion people on earth and you're saying it would be what, 10 million people who need to really. So, so I, there's a, there's a, I don't know if it's a lie or I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, spreading old housewives tales here, but like it's said that the American revolution uh, was fought by 3% of the population. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Huh? Fought and won, fought and won by 3% of the population. Like if we got, you know, a hundred million Bitcoiners, Let's get 3% of them doing 10 bucks a day. That'll hold the price permanently at the current price. That's 30 million bucks a day crashing into 900 coins forever until the 900 becomes 450. Yeah. And so, so like, uh, uh, you know, all it'll take is a couple of big names in the space saying, you know what, I'm maxing out my weeklies, you know, on Swan or on Cash App or on Relay or, you know, the, the, you know, Bitteroo for us Aussies here. Although they don't have a max, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, I, you know, Jack Dorsey's come out and said it, you know, I'm maxing out, you know, my weeklies uh, on Cash App every week, you know, like, I reckon it's a great idea. I reckon it's going to fix the world. And I reckon it'll be a great idea if you all did it too. And like, I'd be very actually interested to see what the DCA stats are on Cash App. So we know that they're, so we know that Cash App's revenue last quarter was three and a half billion. Now, I don't know how much of that is buy, how much of that is sell. They just say, you know, revenue. Uh, but if you assume like annualized, that's all buy, that's 14 billion a year to absorb the entire yearly Bitcoin inflation at 35 grand a coin is like 11 billion. Yeah. And that's just one provider. That's not even counting the other exchanges, the other providers, or even the big, you know, Grayscale and GBTC and those kinds of uh, vehicles as well. So, uh, so like, uh, you know, the, the, the floor is somewhat getting set and like, you got to remember, like the reason I say 10 bucks a day is, uh, because that's, uh, 7% of the average OECD wage. Now the, now like, uh, all due respect to Mexico. I love Mexico, but like, uh, Mexico, for example, is one of the many countries that like bring like, uh, that average down. If you're living in Australia or America or England, and like you can't find 10 bucks a day, like there is there's some problems. Uh, whereas in Mexico, 10 bucks would probably be, you know, like 14% of their income. And that's like, a, that is a huge commitment. Uh, so I do say like 10 bucks uh, flippantly, but it's, but it's what most in the OECD can afford. Uh, Googlers and whatnot, they could probably, they could probably ramp up to 500 a day. Serious commitments there, yeah. yeah. And I think, and I think it's important as well to talk about how I know you were mentioning this before, which is uh, offline. Uh, you were mentioning this idea about stacking to raise the floor for the El Salvador for the Salvadorans. Yeah. So absolutely. So uh, I said this like in a joking way, like uh, you know, money that goes down especially that goes down like really quick, like isn't useful. Like uh, one of like the most useful types of money is like money that never, ever, ever, ever changes in price. Uh, but the most useful one is the one that always goes up. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, the, the going up forever meme, you know, does does have a timeline. If, uh, if you or I, you know, we put down a bit of a lump sum, uh, you know, Aussies, you know, first world qualified people, professionals, good income, all that kind of stuff. If we take, you know, a 50% hit in two weeks, like we just took, like we're still smiling, we're still happy, like life still moves on. Uh, like uh, this is a disaster, uh, you know, for somebody, you know, in the in the circular economy, uh, a poor person in, you know, uh, El Salvador or, a, you know, a, a merchant trying to bootstrap 
a local economy in in Africa or anywhere else, you know, in the developing world. So like, uh, that's why I call it, you know, a tithe more than like an investment or, or something else. Like, uh, you know, put some put some money down, just lock up, just lock up some funds. Right. Okay. There's no yield, but the yield is a very nice feeling and a, and a very good quality of sleep. And knowing that these really disadvantaged people, uh, like, are now like using their own skills and impetus to build businesses, like grow communities, like you're literally like supporting magic. Magic is happening uh, in these places. And like, it only costs you 10 bucks a day. All right. Back to the show in a moment. Unchained Capital are building Bitcoin native financial services on a foundation of multi-signature. So if you are sitting on a single signature hardware wallet and you are thinking, well, I need to improve my security, multi-signature is a great improvement step and Unchained can help you get there. They've got multi-sig vaults designed for ultra-secure long-term storage. So you can take, for example, a Trezor and a cold card and Unchained can be the third key and you can separate your keys and reduce your single point of failure risk. If you need help, they've got a concierge service. So they will ship you two hardware wallets. They will do calls with you, answer your questions, get you set up and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. Use the code Levera for a discount there. Unchained Capital offer advanced business accounts for those of you looking to move your business or your corporate treasury to Bitcoin, joining the Bitcoin standard. And they've got all sorts of material on their website like Parker Lewis's series, Gradually Then Suddenly. That's a great one to send your friends. So go to unchained.com to find out more. Coinkite.com are the creators of the cold card, my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet. You can use the cold card and it will generate the 24 words for you and you can store your Bitcoins yourself and take them off the exchange. And the cold card can be used completely air-gapped. So you can get an SD card and ferry that back and forth to your computer and use it with popular wallets like Spectre, Desktop or Sparrow. Coldcard offers a lot of versatility because you can use it in a single signature setup or as part of a multi-signature setup. And they are really leading in terms of a lot of advanced features like the ability to verify your receive address using the inbuilt address explorer. So go to coinkite.com and use the code Levera to order yours. Have you thought about Bitcoin backups? CypherGrid is a new product available for pre-order by CypherSafe at cyphersafe.io. This is the best value in the industry. You get everything you need for $59. This is two metal steel plates to back up your 24 seed words. It's got privacy by default. The two plates are facing each other to hide the seed words. It's stainless steel hardware holding it together. You can lock it with a padlock. You get a tamper evidence seal provided and an automatic center punch provided. And just like all CypherSafe products, it's made from stainless steel, it's fireproof, rustproof, and waterproof. So make sure you or your loved ones can access your coins if something happened to you. Go to cyphersafe.io and use the code Levera to order your Cypher Grid. Back to the show. Yeah, this is the new uh, way to make the world a better place is to actually set up your DCA plan and just automate. I think that's also very important for most people because trying to rely only on manual buys can be difficult for people. What would you say to someone who says, okay, Hass, like I like this idea of buying Bitcoin, but I just want to do it manually. What's your thought on that? How would you respond to them? Look, manual is okay sometimes. And I frequently use the manual feature in tandem with my automatic feature. Here's what I say, like, you know, basically that that meme I uh, I tweeted the other day the the Joker in the subway listening uh, to the director. You know they tell me you know like uh, you know I bought a lump sum you know uh, six months ago and I'm up like ten times. You know holding is easy and I'm like just you wait until it crashes fifty percent 
and see if you've got the stomach to buy. You'll say, oh, maybe I'll wait till it drops 70% and I'll buy. And then it does drop 70%. And let's see if you have the stomach to buy. You'll say, oh, you know, maybe I'll wait till it drops 90% uh, and I'll buy. And then shut your eyes, open your eyes. It's up 50% and like, uh, you know, you've missed it. And you say, all right, I'm just going to wait till it dips 20% and I'm going to buy. Close your eyes, open your eyes. It's up another 30%. All right, I'm going to wait till it pulls back, you know, 10% and, and then I'll buy. Close your eyes, open your eyes, up 50%. You say, all right, I'm going to buy. And then the next day it crashes 20%. Are you going to buy? Yeah, this is the... <laughs> if you have it on auto, you're just going to buy every day. It doesn't matter. You don't even have to look at the price. But if you do look at the price one day and you see that it's ripped down savagely, uh, then maybe, you know, if you can afford it, uh, you know, intelligently invest uh, in a dip. Uh, but what I'm saying, like, is like you can be calm and like we do have time, uh, uh, you know, until the 100 million are activated because uh, that could really happen at any time. Yeah, we really don't know. And uh, and like, uh, like uh, you know, I, I don't put too much uh, uh, stock into like GameStop and AMC and all of that kind of stuff. I think it's an absolute waste of time, uh, but it's like very illustrative. So the people fighting GameStop were doing it, you know, to fight, you know, the hedge funds, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, some of the some of the bigger players, a couple of hedge funds like uh, uh, have blown up, but no major damage, uh, uh, you know, to the big ones. You know, they say, don't hate the player, hate the game. GameStop and AMC, you know, are, are hating the player. Uh, Bitcoin makes the game stop. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I think it's about getting new people to understand the importance of setting up their DCA plan, because then you're contributing and you're becoming part of this and you're helping contribute. Because for people who are new in the space, just remember that pretty much everything in this space is indexed to the price. Everything. And so people might say, oh, look, you're always talking about number go up, blah, blah, blah. But that's also the reality, right? The number of, say, wallet downloads or uh, exchange signups or developers, or mining hash rate, you know, you can pretty much name almost anything in this space. And a lot of it is indexed to the price. So if the price goes up, then all of these other benefits can flow to Bitcoin. So it's kind of, that's one of the benefits there. Now, I would, I, now one flip side, and this is maybe more of the privacy bro or samurai wallet, some of those guys, I think their criticism of this argument might be something like, well, see, a lot of, you know, these compliance bros are telling people to go sign up on the KYC exchange and, you know, you're compromising too much just to get the number go up. And, you know, you know you're going to be sorry that you were pushing all these people onto KYC platforms and things like that. What would you say to that sort of argument? When Bitcoin is a million dollars a coin, the friar himself, the, the, the bum, the homeless friar will be able to afford to buy every congressman and senator in the United States 10 times over. Stop worrying about KYC. That's it. If we win, the KYC is a fiat problem. It is not a Bitcoin problem. It is a fiat problem. When Bitcoin takes over, KYC is not going to be an issue. Privacy will be, you know, privacy from thieves, privacy, you know, from all of that, uh, you know, kind of stuff. But like, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, governments fear Bitcoin for a reason, but unfortunately they are stuck with it. Uh, so that's what I say to the security bros. Like, it doesn't matter. Like Bitcoin is a little bug that can be crushed now very easily at a million dollars a coin. It's uncrushable. And with the activation of a hundred million people doing $10 a day, like you get to million a coin, like in a matter of weeks. Yeah. So I think there's probably that difference of opinion there. So some of the privacy bros and the, you know, those guys might think of it like, no, see, I thought the whole idea is it's peer to peer cash. And they're not necessarily being a B casher, right? That's a that's an that's a four year old debate. But they're saying, 
oh no, it's about the circular economy. It's about people being able to do agorism and do commerce that's outside the purview of uh, the state and things like that, where I think maybe that's the clash with, uh, let's say, the people who are saying number go up is the factor that actually causes all of these other aspects of freedom that we can overall have, right? Uh, so I think the hyper-Bitcoinization will come before the freedom and the freedom will be a lagging indicator. So if we activate these 100 million people, how long do you think the a billion are activated? It won't take more than a month. Yeah. If they've seen the price, you think people are excited at, you know, 50 grand to buy Bitcoin. Wait till you see them at a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So I think. Uh, So like, so eventually, like if they want agorism, it's more important that a billion people are buying a little bit every day to support a circular economy. It's not useful to just have Michael Saylor (laughs) buying Bitcoin. And uh, of course, he can't hold it on his own, right? Uh, It it takes a, it takes a a mass of people. Uh, So I think perhaps there's a bit of a tension there for some people because People come to Bitcoin with different goals. There are some people who come to Bitcoin with the idea of doing agorism and only for privacy aspects. And I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm supportive of the privacy guys, right? I have, you know, I talk about CoinJoin and various privacy techniques and yeah. Me too. I'm trying to tell people to help make these guys <laughs> rich so they can keep doing yeah, their work. Yeah, that's also a good point. Right. It's not useful for them if it's not useful for them if number goes down. Like they are dipping into their stash. They are living in the circular economy. If number is always going down, it is not useful for these people. Like I am trying to support them. Uh, like it's just indirect patronage. Instead of giving somebody direct patronage, you're just making his wealth go up. Yes. You know, obviously, obviously that's predicated on him having uh, like, you know, original wealth. But if somebody wants to, you know, be that maxi and, and not have like any skin in the game, like, you know, Antonopoulos, like I just I don't believe it. Like if uh, if you're as convicted about Bitcoin as some of these people, like there is nothing you wouldn't do for like some Satoshis. <laughs> like, uh, like, you know, if there's a yeah. will, there's a way. And, and like the best I can do for you, because it's not very easy for me to find individual developers to sponsor. It's a it's a big problem. The the donor uh, beneficiary uh, like uh, matching problem. So the the best we could possibly like hope for is just make number go up, and like the the market will allocate efficiently. Like you'll have you know, uh, you know, uh, block streams grow out of the ecosystem. You know who hire developers. Like you know as as number go up, you know you have the swans of the world. You know uh, come out. Uh, like uh, this this is just this is just a. This is just a part of like uh, the you know natural growth of anything. Like as as number as number go up, uh, you know things generally uh, things generally improve. So like uh, the best you can do is just like uh, show us show us, show your support for the industry as a whole, and like uh, and you'll you'll see the industry uh, you'll see what the industry uh, is made of, and uh, and uh, and what we can produce. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting because no other coin really has number go up, and that's why you know Bitcoin is so important. And I think that actually matters in the long term because having number go up. Now I know some people hate that whole idea of of it, but it actually is what drives so much of the investment and interest and that in turn is what drives development which in turn you know makes bitcoin stronger more resilient and more able to uh, function as a network at scale and i think that's really where we're going with all of this right yeah and uh, like too big to jail is a real thing <laughs> Like, can you imagine if like any government tried to like, or sorry, like US government tried to like seize uh, Bitcoin if it was at a, you know, $50 trillion market cap, like, uh, you know, uh, 
bad things would happen to legislators. Like I'm not issuing threats or anything, but at that point, like you are threatening like a legitimate wealth base, like uh like unfortunately the government's just like the government is already stuck with it and it'll just be more and more stuck with it you know as number continues to go up uh and and the beautiful thing about like about you know bitcoin is or like uh, or rather uh government or like there's very few beautiful things about government uh but the only beautiful thing is it is like a state of mind that's it the government really it's like a it's a it's a figment of our imagination and it's just a whole bunch of people that's it uh you get a couple of these people to become Bitcoiners and watch if they'll ever, ever legislate against their own self-interest. It just won't happen. And if we can, if we can activate these hundred million people and the, and the coin price goes to a million bucks, name me one politician that won't want to get in on some Bitcoin. It's just human nature. So I don't think, I think the privacy bros should worry about like privacy solutions, you know, to, for us to defend ourselves, you know, from each other. Uh, but hopefully we don't actually have to worry about uh, big government uh, too much for too much longer. But it'll take, you know, a quick activation like uh, of a of a mass of people. Yeah. And as, as most revolutions in history, uh, you know, have shown us. Yeah. And so while the El Salvador news is very interesting and really uh, a really truly interesting test of what's going on let's remember that when you spend bitcoin on the other side they're probably going to be selling some of that for fiat and so that adds actually a lot of sell pressure uh, because ultimately what we really want to grow the whole ecosystem is new hodlers and of course it takes time right so some people might start out spending some bitcoins here and there um, or spending in el salvador let's say and then they might have like a dual cash balance, right? They might hold some USD and some Bitcoin. And maybe at the start, it'll be mostly US dollar, right? Because that's what they know. That's what they're comfortable with. I remember seeing some stat that apparently only 1% of people in El Salvador would be using only Bitcoin. I think about 25% would be using a mix of Bitcoin and USD and 75% were saying, oh, I'm just going to stay with USD. And that's fair enough because it hasn't come into, into place yet. They haven't seen it yet. I think the actual law comes into practice in, uh, I think, 7th of September, around there. So it's early days. And of course, that's changed over time as well. I mean, if you look back, Paul Tudor Jones used to say 1% Bitcoin allocation. And then recently he said 5%, right? And so it's a similar story. So it starts small and it's going to grow, but there will be a whole bunch of new people who are spending Bitcoin. And if there's not enough people who are DCA stacking, then the, you know, the, the effect on that will not be necessarily upwards, right? It just takes time to grow that base of hodlers. And maybe that's part of this whole cycles thing, right? That it, it kind of just moves in these four-year cycles because people need time to get comfortable with it and comfortable holding more of their cash balance in BTC as opposed to US dollar or some other fiat. Yeah, and uh, it, takes, uh, it takes time uh, uh, to learn and burn. It's just yeah, everybody eventually, like from my experience, like with long-term holders everybody finds their way into dca eventually yeah so for the so for the newer starters out here like this is hard earned experience like i always like joke around and saying i once bought 40 dips in a row <laughs> uh so like this is this is hard earned experience just just automate it stop worrying if one day you if you believe you know it's a big dip and like you know obviously i'm not gonna like uh, tell you how to suck eggs if you feel like buying bitcoin like uh do it but like uh, I tell people, I try to guilt and shame them into this. I say lump sum is for you, auto DCA is for us. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So in terms of DCA, 
Do you have any thoughts on frequency? Some people like daily, there's weekly, some people say monthly. What's your thought there? Look, for me, uh, I've been, uh, I have been uh, running the numbers and it like, uh, uh, generally speaking, like frequency doesn't matter between, you know, daily, weekly, fortnightly, monthly. Remember, if it's a hundred million people, you know, each doing, you know, one monthly buy, like statistically speaking, you have a pretty good like spread of when those buys are happening. And like, you know, there's regular buys happening, you know, by the hour or whatever it is, but it'll all depend on uh, your particular broker or exchange and their fee structure. So for example, some exchanges like uh, I do Bitteru, I was like at one stage, like, uh, uh, you know, in their, in their earlier days, like I was doing hourlies just to, you know, just to make a point and like my average fee rate was you know 0.19 percent <clears throat> whether i did that you know hourly or monthly or whatever like bitteroo fantastic but like uh you know other exchanges or brokers might say you know what we charge a flat dollar like fee uh, per stack so that that way it might not work out best you know to do daily you might do fortnightly so like everybody in their like own you know like uh, individual circumstances and depending on how their exchange and broker works so for example to use the bitteroo example again i send money there you know at the start of the month once for one fee and it draws down uh, other brokers uh, or exchanges might do a uh, a pull and you might uh, uh, you know uh, uh, get charged per pull or, or whatever it is so everybody work out uh, you know what's best for them in terms of you know fees and and, and you know level of KYC uh, and whatnot but in terms of frequency like I just say daily because I'm a zealot but like uh, realistically, just as long as it's automated, like you're going to be okay. So uh, like it might depend on the frequency you're paid. Like I'm one of the lucky ones to get paid, you know, weekly, you know, you might just, you know, like uh, money hits your bank account, you know, on payday and like you just uh, set up, uh, uh, you know, an automatic transfer, you know, to go to your exchange or, or whatever it is. Uh, check out my, my pin tweet. At Friar Hass, I've pretty much got all the options for all the Bitcoin only automated uh, uh, auto stacking uh, options. Just uh, auto stack and, and don't look back, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and listeners, of course, my podcast sponsor, my lead sponsor, Swan Bitcoin. So you can use my link, swanbitcoin.com slash Levera. That's, uh, it's excellent for those of you in the US, but also those of you who are international, they have international there as well. Uh, but for that, in that case, you're doing a wire, but that can still work if you're doing larger amounts and you just want to get started. You know, it's a good way to get started there. Um, and I think it's important to remember that the kinds of returns that you're getting with DCA, let's say 70% CAGR, that's still incredible, right? If you were in the... S&P 500, you might be getting, I don't know, 12 to 15% per year. With Bitcoin DCA, you're getting 70%. You get 70% every five years. Yeah, yeah, basically, and and like, uh, and I can put my hand on my heart and tell you, look you in the eye, and say seventy, because like that's buying daily for the last eight years, seven years, six years, five years, four years, three years, two years, one year. It's all been roughly around the seventy mark. Some years you start like if you started in twenty seventeen, like right now, like your performance is you know slightly worse. Uh, because like, you know, you're in the middle of a bull cycle. So a lot of it is cherry picking depending on, on when you start. Uh, but uh, eight years of daily data, which uh, which I've had a look at, like I'd be able to like put my hand on my heart and, and like even in a bad year, uh, Bitcoin is good for plus 40% on DCA because you get terrible, horrifying lows for a like brief period. And if you're like 
stacking daily during that period in you know five six weeks when it resolves you've doubled all the money you've stacked in that period so like so i remember when i like uh, uh alluding back to that time uh, in november 2018 when i was telling the sufferers to dca if you'd bought a lump sum at 20 grand you were down like 75 percent at that point uh if you'd been dcaing daily like you were up like eight percent yeah incredible and so the real power is that if you have this going and it's important to turn it on and have it automated because then during the dips and during the bear market cycle, you are accumulating so many sats at a very cheap price. And then once the price comes back up, then you're laughing. And so it's just important to have it set on because automation is so important because it, it, people, if you try to manually do it, it's just not going to happen. You'll get in your head. It's, it's very hard to buy Bitcoin when the price is going up or down quickly it's impossible to rationally make decisions very very difficult like especially if you're if you're just starting out and new uh, like uh, emotions will will take over and you're you're effectively become shark bait so the, so the only way around that uh, really is to just just not look at the price now that does require conviction which is why i love the swan approach learn first and uh, and what DCA like uh, it lets you cheat a little bit uh, because you know you're not overexposing yourself uh, too early and you can sort of uh, learn while you earn kind of so like you know as you're stacking more and more grow your know increase your conviction and then like uh, not looking at the price like becomes quite easy. Yeah, yeah. So how would you say that for somebody who who is new and they might be thinking, okay, so maybe I set up a lump sum to start and then set up a DCA on top of it to go. On top of that, is that how you would normally approach it for people, or would you just like how do you how do you differentiate for them whether they should just start only with a small DCA or whether they should actually take a lump sum at the start? So I'd say have a firm look in the mirror and be very very like honest with yourself and say, can I handle losing fifty percent of my money for three years? If yes, just go all in now. All in now has always been like you know good advice. If you go all in now and then go away for five years and don't look at the price, but it's very hard to go away for five years and not look at the price. So I tell people, if you can't handle that in your stomach, just put in what you can handle and then just top it up. And that way, if it does drop 50%, you've got, uh, you're not like your home isn't wrecked. Like you've, you've actually got money up your, up your sleeve and you're comfortable in life to be able to, you know, take advantage uh, of the opportunity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for people because the thing is, and this I think this even comes from the normal financial world, is this idea of risk tolerance. And it's common that people overstate their level of risk tolerance. So they might be at the start saying, yeah, I'm really gung-ho. I'll ride through an 80% drop. But then when it happens, it's, it's another thing entirely. So yeah. <laughs> just something for people to be aware of that uh, it's a common tendency to overstate our risk tolerance level there. So that's why you've just got to think about these things and be, you know, when you're coming in and you're starting, you've got to be willing to take that big drop. As you know, right, as Hass, you and I, we've been through these uh, big drops. It takes time to be hardened. And I think after by now, because you and I are in solid profit, even on, you know, on those, we're sort of still okay, even if we take a 50% haircut, right? But for someone who's new, that's that can really scare them out. Yeah, and uh, and like there's just uh, like it's it's impossible to you know impart the the full wisdom in in such a like a short space of time. But like a, like the Bogdanov memes like are real. <laughs> so what's the Bogdanov meme for people who don't know? So maybe so basically there's a meme the the Bogdanov twins, very handsome uh, handsome gentlemen. You know there's a meme that you know like you know they're watching like traders 
you know, through the through the through the ether, and like you know, watching like their buying patterns. And as soon as you know, a, a, a trader, a newbie trader, hits the buy button, they get onto the phone with their mates and say, "All right, he's bought. Dump it." <laughs> and uh, and like like you see it all the time, like the the price whipsaw. Like we've we've seen it. I think uh, like Bitcoin has had something like a uh, uh, 10 percent days in the past two weeks, either up or down. So like uh, avoid avoid the whipsaw. Like you are shark bait. Even even the veteran traders, like uh, like uh, you know, I was trying to tell people they also think I'm joking, but like uh, I know like during the the, the like uh, and I, I read about this uh, quite a few anecdotes. Like some of the big whale accounts. Like actually wait till they start seeing like uh, suicide hotline support posts in like uh, Reddit forums and on Twitter uh, before they say, all right, show's over. Like, uh, let's turn the boat around. So like, I don't know how believable that is, but like, uh, like you do see like, uh, like, I don't know if it's bot accounts or whatnot, but like you do see like desperation during the 50% crashes and it's not nice. Like to always like, uh, you know, keep seeing because uh, every every cycle it's, you know, this time is different and like, you know, Bitcoin's never going to drop again. The only way Bitcoin will never, ever drop again is if we activate the hundred million. Activate the DCA army. Uh. Activate the army and the price will never drop again. But like uh, while people are making big lumps, like you've got the inflation to deal with unless the lumps are coming in daily, like price is going to trend down. So, uh, so yeah, so DCA, yeah. Uh, uh, like, you know, not for you, but, but for us. And yeah, that sounds very utopian and communistic <laughs> and, uh, you know, the agorists and all of that, not going to like that. And you know what? That's fine. I'm happy to support, like, I'm happy to support, like, uh, like, uh, you know, them uh, achieving, you know, their goals and their ends. And like, you know, I'll be helping them do that by just buying Bitcoin every day. <laughs> so, so they don't have to, but as long as enough uh, do, uh, then uh, then that's basically it. And like, you don't have to do it for long. Inflation is effectively like zero in about eight years, 12 years. Yeah, because by then, I mean, the, the actual Bitcoin inflation rate will be very low. I think the stat I recall is by the year 2035, so 14 years from now, yeah, yeah. the amount of Bitcoins issued will be 99%, which is crazy when you think about it. And we're going to hit the point of 90%, I think, later this year, as in 90% of Bitcoins that will ever be mined will be mined by the end of this year, 2021. So yeah, so it's uh, going to be an interesting final hundred to see uh, to see people fight to see the miners fight over that 1%. And it's going to be a great fight to watch. So uh, so I do love mining. Uh, props to also, I believe, one of your sponsors, uh, uh, Compass. Yep. So just a shout out to Compass. Great report uh, uh, yesterday. Full disclosure here, I'm uh, probably getting a... Uh, a nice free steak dinner from one of the Compass boys, uh, uh, Zach. I think uh, the whole team is betting against him in our little bet. Yeah, we'll have to um, do an update. I'll uh, get a mining episode out of you later and uh, chat about the mining dynamics as well. Uh, so for listeners who aren't familiar, Hass has a lot of uh, knowledge and has written a lot on Bitcoin mining. And so we'll talk about that. So I guess let's just summarize things uh, uh, for listeners. If you're new, the easy way to get started is set up your DCA plan. It's important that you just get it started and automate this thing. You know, Hass has a lot of uh, suggestions and recommendations out there. So you guys can follow him. You can follow him. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Friar Hass. Hass, anywhere else you would like listeners to find you before we let you go? Uh, I, uh, you can. Uh, I've been uh, publishing, uh, uh, you know, quite frequently now with uh, uh, over at uh, Bitcoin Magazine. 
So you can uh, check me out at bitcoinmagazine.com. Uh, just pop open uh, the author's uh, page and, and, and search, uh, search for Hass. Uh, and uh, and you'll find uh, a lot of my stuff there. And uh, uh, basically, you know, the final final message, uh, uh, you know, to the you know to the faithful, they they've heard this once, uh, you know, they'll hear it again. But if you want the price to be stable, uh, you've got to put your nuts on the table. So this war will not just be won, you know, with a coke and a smile. <laughs> like uh, we uh, we got to put our ankle in it. We got to uh, we got to back this uh, we got to back this baby home. Doesn't need our backing. Bitcoin will eventually win, no matter what. We are stuck with it after all. Uh, so by hook or by crook, Bitcoin will win. But if you want to happen, if you want it to happen soon, uh, we can very, very easily supercharge it. Fantastic. Thank you, Hass. Thank you. Share this episode with your friends who need to learn why they should set up a DCA plan. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 288. Find me online at Stefan Levera on Twitter, and I will see you in the Citadels. Mm-hmm.